This is Doug Scheiding of Rogue Cookers, Texas Embedded Correspondent. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Start the game! Let's go! Do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the really big barbecue central show. This is the show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. Originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening's live fire fun and frivolity show. It's a big one. We're cram-packed, and I'm going to tell you about it here in just a second. However, if you find that Tuesday this evening is your time to get in through emails or phone calls, here's how you do that. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to greg at bbqcentralshow.com or on the Twitter and Instagrams at bbqcentralshow. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening. Coming up in about 12 minutes from now, it's the first Tuesday of another brand new month. Entering in quarter three of 2021, and as we widely know, 2021 rapidly coming to a close. I've been saying it since the first second of January 2021, and here we are more than halfway through it, so I hope you're buckled in and ready for a great second half. I'll tell you who's ready to come in and break it all down for you the first time here in July, none other than the creator of How to Barbecue Right, Malcolm Reed, rejoins the show. And I believe he said he's joining me from a farm. Ceases to amaze me, Malcolm Reed, captain of industry, product master, and now farmer. We'll see what's happening with Malcolm. We'll see. Then 35 past the hour, we'll be joined by a first-time guest. I don't typically throw around the phrase barbecue icon, but when I mention the name, actually, the traditional name might not strike an initial chord with you, especially for the folks that are newer into the live fire scene here. But the brand that I'm about to associate with his name, you will certainly know that, of course, Barbecue Hall of Famer, also captain of industry and first-timer Joe Davidson joining me. Not overly familiar with Joe Davidson. Perhaps you've heard of a brand called Oklahoma Joe. That's the Joe Davidson I'm talking about. That's right. And it's a long overdue conversation. Joe is a legend in the industry in many different forms and fashions, building cookers, competing, restaurant touring, and a host of other things that perhaps we don't even know about it. He's on the shorter side segment here in the first hour, so there's no way we're going to be able to push through all of Joe Davidson inside of 15 minutes. So tonight I have a introduction to Joe. Hopefully we'll get into the pit building side of things, and that's probably going to 
do it. However, we'll have plenty to talk about for subsequent segment interviews with Joe. So assuming I don't offend him and he wants to come back on a number of times after this appearance tonight, we'll have plenty to talk about. That takes care of your first hour, Malcolm Reed and Oklahoma Joe Davidson. The second hour, and is the first Tuesday of a month, as I had mentioned with Malcolm, the second hour, first Tuesday of the month, regular guest. We'll bring a recurring appearance from Sam the Cooking Guy. YouTube Maven quickly approaching or approaching 3 million YouTube subscribers. Just shy, as I was checking yesterday, 2.95 million. And perhaps he'll be broaching over 3 million as we are live in the second hour this very Tuesday evening in July. We'll see about that. Plenty to talk about with Sam, a peanut butter steak recipe that he got involved with a couple days ago. He's also got a new product coming out and in the midst of meeting a deadline of writing a book. So we'll talk to him about all of that. And then coming out of the bullpen tonight, a a guy who can appreciate a good baseball pun and comparison and turn of phrase, if you will. None other than the person that has created the brand Meet Mitch. Mitch Benjamin will be joining us. And freshly out today, if you didn't know it, this right here, Barbecue Revolution. Mitch's new book effort, so we'll talk to Mitch about that. And, of course, as you can see, I have one in my hand. There's no way I'm going to read that. However, I will be giving it away here on the show, free to you. And if you want me to sign it, as I've done with a numer, we're going to get the speech down well before we get into the segment here with Malcolm. I guarantee that. As I have done on a number of occasions in the past, if you want me to autograph that book that Mitch wrote that I did not write, I will be more than happy to autograph that book as we usually do. So stay tuned at some point during the show. We'll give that away. And we will also give a copy of Adrian Miller's Black Smoke away. So two giveaways here during this two-hour jam-packed live fire fun and frivolity show. Now, if you want to get a hold of me, 216-220-0966, Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. You can follow me socially, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchat at BBQ Central Show for live video feed. You can go over to Facebook or Twitch slash BBQ Central Show. You can also find one over on YouTube slash RD Rempe. I was hoping that I was going to be able to break some big news. However, unlike some semi-famous people, I was told to keep my big fat yapper shut so I have no breaking news. I have breaking news. However, I was told not to break the news until I was told to do so. So I will adhere to the commands. Famously, I will adhere to these commands. Now, while we have a few minutes before we get to the first break, the team over at Vortic Watch sent in a list of questions, and I thought that I would go ahead and answer some. You know what? Maybe we're going to save that. Tell you what, gang over at Vortic, hold on just one minute. Uh-oh. Why should I be the only one weighing in with answers to these questions when I have the pro, the most prolific live fire YouTuber, accomplished pit master, a man who has wealth of knowledge? I will wait. Malcolm, he doesn't know this. Malcolm and I will do these questions together. That way you can get two answers from top men in the industry. 
So stay tuned for that. Malcolm, they're not hard questions. Don't worry. Very easy. Easy for us, but questions that most folks that are outside of the expertise level that we're at want to know about. Listener feedback coming in over the last number of shows. Jeff in Ohio here in the Buckeye State. Greg, I heard you mention on a recent podcast that you were having Jim Clements from Smoked Barbecue Source on the show at some point here in the near future. Do you think that Meathead will be pissed? What do you plan on asking him when you have him on? Good question. Jeff, let me answer the first part of that. Do I think Meathead is going to be pissed that I'm having Jim Clements on from Smoked Barbecue Source? And by the way, that interview is actually going to be next week. Ironically, and by sheer coincidence, next week also is Meathead's normal Tuesday appearance, the second Tuesday of the month. So it will be Meathead in the first hour, and then leading off the second hour will be Jim Clements from Smoked Barbecue Source. Do I think Meathead is going to be pissed that I have Jim Clements on? I have no reason to believe that Meathead is going to be pissed. That would be tantamount to me being pissed if Meathead showed up on any other podcast or radio show other than mine. And by the way, I know he does every other radio show and barbecue podcast that isn't mine as well. And why shouldn't he? He's got a brand. He should be promoting it, all the fun stuff. So no, I don't think that he's going to be pissed. Secondly, what do I plan on asking Jim? I plan on asking him a lot of the basic Let's get to know you questions that you have come to know and love here from this show. What his background in live fire cooking is, why he got interested in starting a website, what were his inspirations. And quite frankly, until Derek Riches from DerekRiches.com, who was the fourth Tuesday of the month recurring guest here, did his poll of top five most popular barbecue and grilling websites of the time, I had never heard of Number two on the list, smoked barbecue sores. So I did a little digging and found out Jim's contact information, reached out. He's not from here. He's originally from New Zealand. I think he's based in Australia now. So there's a whole world of new perspective and things to learn about. So I'm happy to have the stalwart of the industry meathead on in the first hour next week. And I'm happy to have... A first-time guest. I think this will be now a month straight of at least one first-time guest here on the show here in 2021. And it's going to be great. So look forward to that next week. Meathead in the first hour, smoked barbecue source in the second hour, plus more. If you can believe it, that's a jam-packed show in itself. Before we get to Malcolm, let me talk to you quickly about Pits and Spits since 1983. Handcrafting smokers and grills in Houston, Texas in that time, establishing itself as one of the premier brands and high-quality offset smokers and more recently pellet cookers, of course. Setting itself apart by using heavy 7- and 10-gauge stainless steel in every cooker, fully welded construction that you can feel when you use the unit, three or four stainless roll-top lids and front shells on every single smoker. And why does this matter? Because when you're buying and using higher-quality materials, you can reach and maintain temperatures quicker, allowing you to worry more about the meat than the heat. Also, by providing a fully welded smoker, you don't have to worry about grease or smoke leaking out of the barrel or that grill rattling apart as you move it through the backyard. And 304 stainless steel means you're getting an heirloom quality piece of equipment. Now, where some companies focus on being a low-cost provider, Pits and Spits the opposite, using high-quality craftsmanship and materials 
Are there cheaper ways to make these things? Sure, we've seen it in the market currently. But they don't like tack welds, cheap stainless electronics that you can't trust. Having in-house manufacturing gives them complete control over the whole design and process. Not something you find with stuff brought in from overseas. Their steel suppliers have the best material used in some of the harshest environments around. So they will perform no matter where you live. And their controllers are made right here in the States, so they have unimpeded transparency into the programming. Bottom line is this, Pitness Bits has the dealer network across the country. If there isn't one close to you, call Koi at the shop. Tell them I told you to call 844-650-6250. That's 844-650-6250. Whether you're a backyard grill master or a competition team, Pitness Bits has a product for you. You can check them out at pitsandspits.com, all spelled out. Or see their pits in the wild across social media with their handle at pits and spits, also all spelled out. We have Malcolm Reed in the green room ready to rock and roll. We're going to answer some Vortic Watch questions from the crew over there in northern Colorado. And then we'll get to some other stuff as well. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. And welcome back. This portion of the show brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, creators of automatic pit temperature control technology, sellers of ceramic cookers with built-in power draft fans and accessories, to make your barbecue and grilling life easier, visit bbqguru.com or call 800-288-GURU. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. It is the fourth Tuesday, fourth Tuesday, it is the first Tuesday of the month here in July. And what does that mean? A visit from the creator of How to Barbecue Right, pitmaster of Killer Hogs competition team, Malcolm Reed joining us. Hey, Malcolm. What's happening, Greg? How you doing, man? I am doing fabulous. And as I had mentioned in the open, as I had gotten a bit of information from you, you are not typically, or you're typically in the headquarters of How to Barbecue, right? But tonight, we're finding you off-site on a farm. <laughs> yeah, I guess you, we call it a farm. Uh, you know, we've got a little hideout down here where we go deer hunting and you know, we raise some crops and grow some trees and, you know, grow some goodies for the deer and the other, other animals to eat. And there's an occasional cow or something that comes wandering through. So it's close to farming as I'm going to get probably. What kind of livestock are you raising up there? Oh, uh, hey, we're, we're raising white-tailed deer. Oh, yes. Well, <laughs> In the wild. They're you're free, doing quite a good job. Roam. They're free roamers. <laughs> yes. Cage-free yeah. and farm-fresh no, deer. I'm not, that's right. That's right. Now, uh, if, if Shell has her way, we're going to have llamas and, and goats and sheep and all kinds of stuff. I'm probably going to throw the pig or two in there, <laughs> but uh, those will be just, you know, for fun. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I would assume those goats could eventually make its way onto a barbecue pit or uh, a grill at some point uh, after use of life. Uh, or is, uh, is Rochelle yeah, a, a knitter of sorts? <laughs> uh, no, I don't, I don't think she does much knitting. <laughs> she does a lot of things, but knitting is not one of them. 
Got it. All right. So let me take you to task here in uh, just for a few moments. The crew over at Vortic Watch, by the way, I don't know if you can see that there. So this watch, let me take a better shot here. Uh, so this watch, uh, that's very close, by the way, uh, used to be a pocket watch, if you can believe it. And there's a company in northern Colorado, and their uh, main focus is taking the old-time pocket watches that used to be made here in America. Like, millions and millions of pocket watches were made in America between the uh, mid-1800s and mid-1900s before the wristwatch came into fashion, and then everybody got rid of the, wrist, uh, the pocket watches. And they decided to start a business where they could take some technology and uh, put their own spin on keeping some of America's history here. And that's what they're doing over at Vortic Watch. So it's a pretty cool company, and uh, they support a lot of veteran affairs. Uh, so I'm happy they have uh, teamed up here with the show for 2021. But they sent in a handful of questions that some of the folks over there in the manufacturing side, front office side, wanted to know about. So if you're up for it, we can go ahead and give answers to these questions. So here's... Number one from the Vortic team, what's the optimal time and temp to smoke a steak prior to searing when using the reverse sear technique? Malcolm, I will defer to you first. All right. I like to keep it low and slow, like 225, and I take them to about 110, 115 internal, and then it's time to crank the heat up and sear them off. Do you like using an offset pit, or do you like using a pellet cooker to do the reverse part? Um, you know, as long as I'm keeping the temp low and slow, it really doesn't matter. Uh, it, you know, <clears throat> it seems like on, on a drum or an offset pit, you're going to get more of that real smoke, authentic flavor. But if you want the easier route, use the pellet grill. Nothing wrong with it. You can still get some good flavor on a reverse sear. Yeah, so I've done uh, 225, I find works best. I've used a Traeger. I've used a Green Mountain Grill as well, uh, more recently with the Green Mountain Grill. Uh, that's the, Those are both pellet cookers, uh, so the ease of use is there. Then I'm typically taking it to about 125 degrees internal, and I'll put on the Weber gas grill, sear it off to get that nice color on the outside. Uh, maybe get it up to like 132, 135. I might carry over a little bit after the fact as it's resting before we eat, um, but I'm really into that mid-rare, and I think science, too, has proven through AmazingRibs.com that medium-rare gives you the best-tasting and most juiciest steak at that temperature, but certainly it's up to whoever's eating it where they want to take it, although uh, I recommend a medium-rare. I know, uh, Malcolm, you're a medium-rare fan as well. So there's uh, question number one. Question number two, this might put you in a spot here, Malcolm, but I'm going to go ahead and answer honestly. I'm sure you will, too. Green Egg or Traeger? Oh, that's tough. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm probably going to go with my pellet grill, man. I've got the XL, and, I've, and I don't fire it up as much. I don't fire my egg up as much. They're both great. Um, it seems like, you know, it, on me, the, the egg, if I really want to get some smoke flavor on it, i got to put a bunch of wood on there. and you got to choke it back to get it to smolder right, so sometimes it can get a little stout on you. And, with that Traeger, man, it's set and forget. So, uh, uh, you know, people are probably going to catch some flack over picking a pellet grill over live fire. But in that case, I think I would go with the Traeger. I don't want to give two answers here because that would be hedging both sides of the fence and me not giving a, a direct answer. I think off the top of my head, I would say in 2021, the easy answer is to say Traeger. And 
by and large, I think a lot of people would probably tend to go in that direction. However, if you know up front that you want to manage a fire a little bit or you want to get that skill of fire maintenance down, then I would steer you away from the Traeger, have you go to Big Green Egg. Also, it's giving you two cookers in one. Uh, the Traeger does really well, low and slow. You can bump it up, get into that roasting. But for high heat grilling, I don't think really there are many pellet cookers out there that can give you the same sear. Big Green Egg, really good low and slow cooker. And then you can open up the dampers on the top and the bottom. You can get that thing up to 800 plus degrees. That thing is going to grill better than anything on the market. So from that instance, it's it's two grills or, or two cookers in one, and it carries a pretty hefty price tag. So um, from that end, although you know a Highline Traeger is probably going to cost just as much as an extra large big green egg with a table and some of the accoutrements. So I, I think, not to dabble around the answer here, um, in general, Traeger is probably the, the, the popular answer right now. But if you have a yearning to, to learn fire management and have truly two cookers in one, then I would uh, steer you towards the big green egg. Third question, best type of wood for smoking beef, chicken, and pork? So uh, can I can I pick a wood, a general class, or do we want one for each one? Oh, uh, I think you if can. I'm gonna, if I'm going to use one wood for all of them, I'm going to go pecan because it's great on all of them. Um, it really is. Um, if I'm going just pork, I'm probably going to go hickory. If I'm going chicken, I'm probably going to still say pecan and then beef, um, post oak. Mm. So <laughs> yeah, right on. That's but but if I had to pick one to cover all of them, pecan's going to be my wood of choice. Yeah, I don't get pecan up here, and it's not readily available. I don't want to pay for shipping up here. Uh, so for me, like the the wood to cover all of them, just because it's plentiful and it is a fruit wood, is cherry. Uh, if we're going individually for me, beef, I totally agree with oak. Uh, we don't have post oak here, but we have uh, like pin oak or some kind of oak. Uh, chicken and pork, uh, applewood. If I can have access to it, we have a lot of apple orchards up here. It's a nice uh, thin smoke. It's got to be dry, though, if you're going to use it, uh, especially with sticks because it, it is a lower BTU wood. Uh, so I want to make sure that it is uh, burning properly or I might mix in a little charcoal along with it to keep the BTUs where they need to be. But I think apple is really good on uh, chicken and pork both. Balling on a Bezos budget, and I know you do that on a daily basis, Malcolm. Best affordable smoker and grill on Amazon. What do you think? On Amazon, wow. And I'm probably going to pick a Weber, man. It's probably going to be that uh, you know the Weber, the Weber kettle, the 22 inch one. Um, they have the Gold series, which is I have one. Shell got it for me for for my birthday last year and I've been putting it to work. So if that's something on a, if you're, if you're on a budget, you got to have one grill that you can learn on. It goes back to learning. Like you're talking about with that green egg, you can do the two zone low and slow with it. You can fire it up, sear anything you want. You can, there's all kinds of attachments for a Weber. So I'm, I'm going to have to say the Weber. Yeah. Uh, totally agree on the Weber. If you want to get outside the box a little bit and it's still incredibly affordable, less than uh, 350 bucks, I think. Uh, pit barrel cooker is one that you you definitely want to take a look at. You can have a grilling experience. It's not necessarily a grill per se, but it does give you a unique experience. You can hang meat, which is nice, but it also comes with a grill grate as well, so I would check that one out. Uh, next question is, how often and for how long do you marinate a steak? Ooh. 
You know, I don't do a lot of marinating steaks. I think I think meatheads prove that too. You don't get a lot of penetration with the marinade. It does better on thin stuff. So if I'm doing, you know, fajitas or skirt steak or something like that, oftentimes I'll marinate it to get some good fresh flavors in it. But if it's a ribeye, something like that, I'm not really. I'm never going to marinate it. I'm just going to kind of dry season it. And let that let the seasoning start pulling moisture out. You see, you know, you hear people calling it dry brining now. I don't really know if it's dry brining, but it's. It's definitely, you know, going a little heavy on the season and letting it work on the steak before you ever grill it. Um, but if I had to say, if you're going to marinate a steak, go at least two hours in the refrigerator. That's probably a good optimal time. Yeah, uh, same with you. I'm never one to mar- – I don't know if I've ever marinated anything, but I know when people are doing, like, fajitas, uh, things like this, uh, it is popular to marinate, I'd say, two to four hours, maybe six, but – not too much longer because sometimes the acidity of that marinade is going to denature the meat. You wind up with a completely different mouthfeel and product. But uh, I'm with you. Uh, if it's regular steak, uh, maybe some salt on it uh, three, four hours in advance. Uh, I do like to set my steak out uh, in a refrigerator uncovered uh, six or seven hours in advance just to let everything dry out on the surface to give you better caramelization if you're going to go direct yelling right off the bat. Um where do you get your meats and what are your favorite cuts? Wow, man, that's a broad range. Yes, right. Um, Locally, locally, I would probably say I probably buy more from uh, Sam's and Costco, you know, the bigger club stores, just because our grocery stores don't have the best selection, but we do have a local grocery store that still has a butcher shop. Uh, in my in, in the Memphis area, it's called Super Low. They sell certified Angus beef, so they've always got a good, you know, affordable beef choice. But if I'm wanting to if I'm wanting to spend some money, I'm going to call Kevin down at the butcher shop. You know, I got to plug him in Pensacola. He's got some of the best in the country. Yeah, totally agree on that one as well. Uh, Kevin at the butcher shop has not only some of the best stuff in the country, and you can get all the way from you know that uh, A5 Kobe. It looks like. You have a, a, a doily uh, that's covering meat. I mean, there's just so much fat that's in there, and it's totally delicious. We talked about that uh, a month or two ago uh, when I had had my first time around with the uh, A5 or the A9 or whatever it was. And then I, I think uh, also if you, if you live in an area that has a really good mom-and-pop butchery, and I know those are really – falling off the face of the earth here in Cleveland. We do have a lot of ethnic pockets here uh, across the east and the west, north and the south. So there are a lot of butchers still available that we can go in. So make relationships uh, with those folks. But Costco has routinely had a lot of great choice meat and they've had a, a really great prime selection as well that uh, you really can't get in most other places. So I would check those out. All right. Last one. Easiest grilled meal when time is of the essence that I know my answer. Oh man, mine's going to be the old ribeye and asparagus and maybe throw a baked potato in there and wrap up a loaf of, of good garlic buttered bread. That's, that's going to do it for me every time. And I can do it 30 minutes or less. This is why Malcolm is a YouTube star. My meal hot dogs. Come on. I just hot saw dogs. Joey chestnut pound 76 <laughs> hot dogs and buns down his gullet. On July 4th. So, I mean, I can make a hot dog very quick, very delicious. When time is of the essence, Vortic folks, this is uh, what you have to do. So hopefully Malcolm and I gave you some direction in that regard. All right, let me stay on that topic just for a second because I know you guys had Wiener Fest or Wienerville or something down there at uh, How to Barbecue Right headquarters. 
uh, was it last weekend or, or two weekends ago? When you see a guy like Joey Chestnut, a competitive eater, a 14-time in a row hot dog slash mustard belt champion, cram 76 hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes, I think it is. I mean, do you think that there is any way you could do a tenth of that or a quarter of that? I mean, where's your limit on hot dogs? I, so, you know, you talk, we had a winter fest here. It has been a little over a week ago. Um, the winner in ours, we had a three-minute contest, and he got down seven. And I don't think in three minutes that I could do that. And then, um, man, to get over a dozen in ten minutes, I, I just I don't see how – I would not want to be <laughs> in that shape. I, I don't know. I can't imagine what that does to his insides. Well – I'm sure it comes as no surprise to you, Malcolm, uh, being such a big fan for low these many decades. But Joey Chestnut has appeared at least twice on the show. And I remember specifically one time I asked him, how do you ingest such an amazing amount of food in such a short period of time? And also, of course, everybody wanted to know, as soon as that thing is done, is everybody racing for the big 55-gallon bucket and offloading what they put in? And he said at that point in time, he was ingesting everything and he was digesting everything. There were certainly a number of people that were giving themselves the reversal of fortune when it wasn't going to disqualify them in the eating tournament. But he would just sat down and digested uh, probably, I mean, he was putting on 10 pounds or 15 pounds of weight in 10 minutes. And he went to the, he goes to the doctor three or four times a year. They pull blood work. I mean, he's not living a natural lifestyle, right? I mean, he's doing these eating competitions and he's packing on a tremendous amount of weight and eating a tremendous amount of calories in such a short period of time. But he's active and he stays in shape. The doctor said he's got no health risks, but he's drinking gallons of water to stretch his stomach out in advance of competitions and doing many eating competitions. It just seems like, I mean, I like eating like the next guy. But that seems to be taking it to a, a whole different level. But I guess when you're in that realm of being the most prolific competitive eater we'll probably ever see in our lifetime, I don't know if we want to ever see anybody beat that, by the way, you have to have that kind of a lifestyle. I, I just can't imagine it, Greg. I've, you know, I've seen people do that. Uh, in Memphis and May, they had a big rib eating contest. And I was just I was shocked by how much ribs some of those people could put away. Um, it, I, it ain't for me. I enjoy it, and I probably I probably drink to excess a little bit, but man, and I'm sure I eat to excess too, but nothing to that scale. Malcolm Reed joining me here on the show. How to BBQRight.com is website. You can find him on social, of course, at How to BBQ Right. Malcolm, uh, sometimes hot dogs contain pork, depending on what your wiener of choice is. Are you surprised, or perhaps are you even toning down the amount of pork? you might be working with or eating because right now the cost is absolutely ridiculous. I've never seen it so high. Where are you sitting at with pork right now? Well, I will say this. I wanted to cook a pork, but uh, over the weekend, I was going to bring one down here uh, to the farm with us, and I couldn't find one in any of the grocery stores. Uh, we couldn't find fresh chicken. Um, I had to settle for some frozen leg quarters, and that's what I cooked last night. Um, you know, meats, it's getting harder to find, and the prices are triple of what we're used to paying. You know, I had a had some friends say they bought some from Sam's Club and paid fifty four dollars for three racks of baby bags. Mm. That's just crazy, uh, you know, to see prices like that. 
Uh, Malcolm, one last question before I let you go and appreciate the time as you're joining me from the farm. Uh, we have Gay Lags, Virginia, the smoke on the mountain coming up shortly. I had Jason Baumgartner on last week talking about the history of the event and uh, showcasing some of the first place trophies. Uh, you had mentioned last month uh, the winner MBN gets the banjo, winner KCBS gets a fiddle, all operating, of course. You're going to be doing both sides of that event when you get down there? Uh, yeah, we're going to do uh, MBN ribs and all all the KCBS categories, and uh, Michael's going with me. I think he's going to cook SCA too. Is it a extra benefit to have all of that in one contest? I think Praise the Lard is the only one that jumps to mind that's both an MBN and a KCBS contest. You don't really find that too often. <clears throat> we see a few of them here in our area. I know South Haven has gone to – to both formats too um it, it makes it attractive as a cook to you know to get to go out and to, and to make a full weekend out of it now sometimes the timelines get crazy on saturday that's what a lot of the you know guys that are just used to cooking kcbs or mbm they have a you know hard time adjusting sometimes just because it it throws a wrench in the system it's not we don't follow typical times but uh it's a challenge it's a, it's really a challenge to cook both sides but we got the pits fired up and we're used to cooking a lot of meat for the the mb inside anyway so um you know we, we enjoy it we'll certainly see how that contest rolls out we'll get the update from you when you're back in august if you can believe it right now we're talking with malcolm reed the creator of how to barbecue right go subscribe to him if you aren't already 1.28 million of you are already subscribed to him over on youtube you can check out his website, howtobbqwrite.com, and follow him on social as well at the same, howtobbqwrite. Malcolm, always appreciate the time, my friend. Thanks so much. Thanks, Greg. See you in August. All right, there he is, Malcolm Reed right there. And we will see him as uh, in August, as he says. Hopefully, grand champ on both. Can you imagine if Malcolm Reed ends up winning both sides of that event? And can show us both the banjo and the fiddle. <laughs> and Michael wins the steak contest. The reeds sweep the weekend. Let's hope that happens. Karma is with him. Joe Davidson is in the green room. We'll get to him here in just one second. I'll talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue. A curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies will get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything on the website has been pitmaster approved by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself. From the award-winning rubs and seasonings, popular flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, Double Secret Steak Rub, Little Louie's Seasoned Salt. Y'all know what I'm talking about. They're my favorites. They also have barbecue sauce. If you're tired of what's existing out there now, you want to try something new, Granny's Barbecue Sauce is something that you want to look at. A new go-to sauce. You can use it in the jar. You can also use it as a base and then trick it out from there, whatever your heart desires. And aside from the premium selection of rubs and sauces, they're also selling the very best pellet, charcoal, and wood cookers available today. If you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out that Mac 2-Star General Pellet Cooker. Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. If you're not a fan of pellet smokers, no problem. Check out that Old Hickory Ace BP, the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. If you don't know what grill you need, Call and ask questions, why don't you? 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop their website at BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A-Smokers.com. We are back 
with Joe Davidson right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Okay, I told you it was going to be happening. Here we go. It's a copy of Black Smoke from friend of show, Adrian Miller. We gave one away a couple weeks ago. If you want to grab your next copy, be the first one in with an email and in the subject line, write Black Smoke. First one in, Greg at the BBQ Central Show, subject line, Black Smoke, and you can win a copy of Adrian Miller's latest release, Black Smoke. We wish you good luck. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And this portion brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information to see what other products that they have or purchase as well. You can also visit them at Amazon.com and buy from there if you so choose. Folks, one of the benefits of being in this live fire landscape over the past 15 years is having the unique ability to speak with legends and icons in the industry because, by and large, they are still alive, thank goodness. My next guest certainly fits the realm of icon. He is a skilled welder by trade, incredibly successful business person by schooling and profession, and has one of the most recognizable names in the business. What do you think of when I say Oklahoma Joes? Everyone thinking of something, that's for sure. But how did he get to where he is today? Let's go ahead and race to the hotline. Welcome in first-timer to the show, Joe Davidson. Hey, Joe. Joe, I can't hear you. Is the mic on? This the mic is on now, baby. Testing. Testing one, two, three. We did it. All right. Thank you. <laughs> How are you, Joe? I'm good. How are you? I am fabulous. Very excited to talk with you here this evening for the first time. And as I had said in the open there, long overdue. Uh, everybody knows uh, Joe Davidson. And uh, it's an honor to have you on here as we talk for the next handful of minutes. And I hope it's just one of many times to come here. So uh, before we get off and uh, talk about some business and uh, how Joe grew up, uh, let me lead off here because we missed it to a degree last year uh, through various accomplishments you've had uh, coming up in the business. You were voted into the Barbecue Hall of Fame last year uh, with some other folks. And uh, obviously the ceremony sure. didn't get to take place because of the pandemic and so forth. But I'm wondering, as somebody who has achieved as much as you have uh, through your life as it relates to live fire, where Barbecue Hall of Famer fits into that mix. Oh my gosh. I'm going to tell you, that was an honor because mainly because of so many of my friends that have been part of that. They've been, been a, uh, it's a special creed of individuals that get to be nominated in inducted into that. And wow, that it was, well, words can't describe how wonderful that was. You're going to be at the induction ceremony this year at the Royal. I am. Yes. I am. Right. You know, so we were we were actually going to cook last year, come out of retirement after 10 years. 
to do a competition. I'm certain I'd scare the death out of the other guys for at least one or two categories. And we're going to do that again this year, too. So you're going to cook it. I'm going to cook it. Are yeah. you are you competition ready? I mean, certainly <clears throat> you've done it for, for as long as you've done it. I'm sure that there's just processes and, you know, the old experience kicks in. But 10 years off, well, I mean, are you there for muscle, the profile? Muscle memory. Boy, it better be like that old analog aspect of you can't forget how to ride a bicycle. <laughs> Who knows? You know what? We don't care. We're just going to have fun. And that's what we always did. Back when we were really in a rhythm, no one had more fun than we did. Joe Davidson joining me here on the show, of course, uh, Oklahoma Joe's. So let's track back to when you were growing up, Joe, pre-high school days. What were your yeah. food experiences like? Did you see a lot of live fire cooking growing up or was it just, you know, what the normal folks would have minus live fire? You know, when it was in town, I, I grew up in Okeem, Oklahoma. It's a town of about 2,000 people in Oak Fusky County. But I came from four generations of ranchers that, that came over from Arkansas and then to Oklahoma and the land run, the whole aspect of it. And my great-grandfather wound up having five children, two daughters and three sons, and Man, they worked the land, and it was all pecan bottom. And, of course, hogs and cattle that was and chickens were part of everything. So, yes, I will tell you right now, we did live fire cooking, but it's nothing like what we do today. Nothing like it. It was pretty much 55-gallon barrels open up there. You'd burn wood over in one pile, put that wood over into the 55-gallon barrel to make charcoal, and we were live fire cooking that away. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty uh, – for a young kid growing up and seeing that and then butchering hogs doing that, it was pretty cool. As you worked through the high school years, Joe, were you a fairly good student <clears throat> involved in sports or any other type of extracurricular activities? Mm, I would say that no, no sports. I just pretty preferred to work. I worked for several ranchers and at, at a body shop, and then I raised a bunch of hogs. So I was big in agriculture. I actually was a state farmer in FFA, and really, that's that was my passion was agriculture, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an ag teacher, and that's what I went to Oklahoma State to do, but. Mainly, I had to have a way to pay my through my way through college, and that was as a welder. So I went to welding school. That landed me at Oklahoma State University and married to my wife, Paige, and it went from there. So you go to welding school right out of high school then? Well, I, I did. I went to college one year at East Central University. There, I'd, I'd like to say that I majored in beer and women and blew $15,000 of hog <laughs> money. And then it, my, my dad said, I don't know if you're made to go to college. So you should do something else. So I went to welding school at that point in time. So I, I had one little year of a hiatus, if you'd say. When you talk about working the land and you mentioned uh, mentioned ranches, I had had a gentleman by the name of Kent Rollins on uh, a couple months ago who's uh, known mm -hmm. as the cowboy cook or the chuck wagon cook. And, uh, oh, yeah. The, the term yeah. cowboy uh, comes around when you talk about <laughs> Would you classify yourself as uh, cowboys or did, were you around cowboys or were you more like farmers of the land? You know what? I was around all of them. I mean, there were cowboys, there were ranchers, there were farmers. So... I would have to say that mostly in Oklahoma, 
we were either ranchers or cowboys. And there's not that much fertile land to grow a lot of crops, so not many farmers, but it was still overall a kindred spirit. Joe, the story of how you get into making cookers, and you, I, I think we're kind of alluding <clears throat> to that before, uh, before we are asking you this question now. It's, sure. it's a great, it's a great story, and I'm hoping you might indulge me this evening by uh, telling us about how you got into it on the show here. You know, it was one of those deals that my, while my grandparents, my parents loved to cook outdoors, they were always just on open fire cookers. When I went to college, my first smoker was a little bullet smoker, one of those R2D2 units, and we. I thought that briskets were corned beef briskets you went to Homeland and bought. So it was kind of one of those different aspects of learning how to cook. But then as I started to learn about offset fireboxes and, you know, how to cook with indirect heat and smoke, that's when it hit me that I could start building smokers. So I built one for myself, one for my brother, one for my dad. And then a professor saw one. I was actually, I got my bachelor's degree in ag education, my master's in ag engineering. And as I was doing my graduate work, that's where I started building these smokers. And I started selling one to this professor, another one to another professor. And then the next thing you know, I thought, yeah, I think we could make a living doing this. So I built 12 cookers. I went to the state fair of Oklahoma and the first weekend I sold every one of those. And when the fair was over, I had an order for 108 more and we were building these in my backyard. That's an incredible take. I mean, I'm a sales guy during the day. So to sell what you brought to the party and walk away with 108 more in tow, a had to be great. The ego was pumped up, but I have to imagine Joe, you also were probably crapping in your pants going, oh my God, 108, <laughs> 12 is one number, but 108 is yeah. sizably different. So how do you scale to meet that demand? Oh my gosh, that's, that was the big question. It's like, hey, my wife Paige, uh, great news. We sold them all this weekend and other great news. I've got orders for 108 more. So what we're going to do is I'm going to still go to college and do my graduate work and teach. And then I'm going to come and I'm going to work in my garage at my house from two in the afternoon until two in the morning and build all the smokers. And I had another graduate assistant dude, good friend of mine, Randy Stone, and he helped me build those first smokers until we moved to another little shop. It it took us six months to do that, to build all those smokers. And folks that had put in the orders with you were, I mean, was the expectation set that, hey, we appreciate this order and we we think that the quality is going to be great, but there might be a little (laughs) bit of a wait or did they learn as they go? You know, it, not only did they learn as they went, I learned as I went, too. And the, the smokers evolved even during that time frame because I was like, okay, at first we we used uh, Baylor hinges for the hinges. You know, so if you had Baylor chains that built a giant chain, that's what I used for hinges in the original smokers. And then I started building and making the old pipe hinges after that. So we, they changed and the people they were understanding and i'd call and hand delivered every one of those so i sold them all by hand myself and i delivered them all myself as well so really easy to for people to be accepting and loving of those smokers is there an easy way uh we'll talk about the 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 sale of of the company here at some point but is there an easy way to to track or find an original oklahoma joe cooker 
You know, the, the very first ones, of, especially that first hundred or so, they didn't have brass plaques on them. I hammered the number into the back of them with a stencil. Thunk, thunk, you know, so you can buy those. They'll imprint a number on it. So it started out as 001, 002, and went from that point. And if you find a smoker on the upper left-hand door above the flange that's got a number on that, and it's round and around this region of the United States, it's likely that's an Oklahoma Joe smoker. I can't imagine that you find too many of those on sale for Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace. Man, I look all the time. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think they they call those the unicorns. So I don't know if there, how many of them are there. I will tell you that a lady called me maybe three, four years ago and had truly like the third trailer smoker I had ever built. And her husband had passed away. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I just... I've got to have this thing. And that was when they had square fireboxes. So if you roll across one, will you buy one of your cookers back from somebody? I've got a, yeah. probably two dozen of them down in the barn <laughs> really? right now. Wow. How about that? Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I always look at it and go, okay, someday I'm going to start having grandkids and I want them to have some of these things. So we'll, we will literally we'll sandblast them, powder coat them and run them through. And they look like brand new units now. Joe, there's another great business story within this growth, and I think it ties into your thoughts on mentoring and how you think that's important. Uh, the owner of Ditch Witch ends up playing a pretty important role in the initial growth of, of that company, did he not? Yeah, I would say that, you know, once my wife was a school teacher, and she, I always say, golly, she was making $16,500 a year when we started building these smokers and at that time we were college students and we were like man we make all this damn money so <laughs> i'm just going to do these smokers and i'm going to build them for a living and my parents and, my, and her parents especially were going what the hell is he doing you know but it it turned out off okay but at that time i i see how it could be a little dicey so we were in perry oklahoma went from one shop to another shop to a little little shop on the square. And a fellow would come down there, and his name was Ed, and he'd have coffee with me at 7, 6.30, you know, 7.30 in the morning. And we'd visit a little bit, and he said, I had a shop on the other side of the square, and you're, you remind me of what I was doing then. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And I said, your shop's where? On the other side of the square. And I was like, well, there's nothing over there, so it, you must be retired now. And he would always leave and I'd say, I've got to get to work. You know, he had to get to work too, you know. So that went on for maybe six months. And then a fella came down from Ditch Witch and said, this is who I am. I'm the executive VP of Ditch Witch. And uh, our owner asked us to come down and see if you'd be interested in, in renting the R.L. Fraley facility. And the R.L. Fraley facility had just been sold and was just outside of town maybe a mile and it was huge i mean i'm to me it was huge it was like twelve thousand square foot had bridge cranes in it a paint shop and this and that you know so i was like oh my gosh i said i'd love to have it but i can't afford that he said well what could you afford i said well i'm paying 500 right now in my mind so i could give you 600 dollars a month for that and he said we'll take it and i was like who, who sent you down here? You know, exactly. He said, well, Mr. Malls on. I said, Mr. Malls. He said, yes, Ed Malls on. I said, Ed Malls on. I said, so Ed owns Ditch Witch. And he was like, yeah, he, he owns Ditch Witch. He's the founder of that. 
anyway, I wound up getting that for $600 a month. I had to ask him one last thing before we left. And that was, if I'd offered you 500, would you have taken it? <laughs> and he said, yep, we would have, yep. we would have too. So it went on from that to many, many occasions. If I needed engineering support, it's an engineer's over. If I needed just business advice, I'd go over to this and they had this huge plant. It was acres and acres under a plant. I'd go in there and is Ed available? Yes, he's available. I'd go in there and I'd say, I've got this question for you. And he'd always, every time he would roll out a desk drawer and he put his feet up on it and says, well, Joe says, I'm not telling you what you should do, but this is what I would do. And he would just tell me what he would do. And I was like, okay, I think that I should learn a little bit that I would say that you can get a pearl for everyone. I got a bunch of pearls from Ed Malzahn, no doubt about it. So he helped me a bunch, not only with engineering, with a CFO, with this marketing group. Just every time I needed help, they were there to help me. How have you returned that favor through your career now? I will tell you, I, I don't think that I could ever do what he did for me, for anyone, because he was just, it was that perfect time and space that happened right then. But what I do believe is that any time that people, whether it comes from cook-off experiences, business experiences, wanting to start their own business, being there to listen to what they think, what they want to do to encourage them and give them a few little pearls. So I've tried to do that every time I get the chance. And it's, you got to have an open door policy, number one. And the sunset rule, if someone gets a hold of you, get a hold of them immediately before the sunset goes down. And then I think that um, being able to have a, you know, just an open mind to different ideas as well and trying to put yourself in those shoes gives you an opportunity to get them good advice. And most of the time, it's something that where they've got to take every little bit you give them and you know, just use what is applicable to them and what they want to do. Do you think we're in a a state right now where the majority of the population is open to hearing something that might not be the same or of a similar mindset? Will, will people take a differing point of view in, in hopes of learning something, or do you think we're not necessarily that kind of people anymore, or at least at this point? You know, it's it's half and half. I mean, many times I believe that people are dead set and they want to go in one direction. Other times they are really open to any ideas. And hopefully, you know, we all have our thoughts and our processes on what's right, what's wrong, and what's great with America, what's not great with America. But the reality is that we there's a middle of the road for everything. And that's the key to it is just being willing to listen and then help people or <laughs> try and stir, stir them in one direction or another direction. So to answer your question, I think that it's, it's, it's still half and half. We've still got a great great young group of people that are coming up and I see it time and time again that man they're they're fired up about business they're fired up about competition barbecue barbecuing in general they're doing that so we have to be in a great industry where people are sponges and we're all trying to learn and do more and more all the time 
Joe Davidson joining me here on the show, the website okjoes.com. And uh, we could just talk uh, for hours and hours and hours. So let's leave the conversation here. We'll pick it up and talk about uh, the eventual selling of the pit company. We'll talk about the restaurants and stuff next time. I mean, you, you're a wealth of information. And sure. I know we're just going to sure. uh, have, have a great Absolutely. relationship here. So I appreciate the time here this evening. Anything else you would like to promote before I let you go, Joe? You know, actually, no. I just want to say thanks for having me. And hey, get out there and do some cooking. Put some smoke in there and enjoy life. That's right, Joe. Thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate it. See you now. All right. There he is. Joe Davidson right there. Oklahoma Joe was just on this show, if you didn't notice. And I am pumped up. I wish I had another hour. I mean, I do, but I got some other guests. Wow. That was great conversation. Great insight. And we're only halfway through that first business. I can't wait until we finish the cooker story because there's a lot of great questions there and the decisions that he had to make. Saw some of the folks in the chat asking him how they compare the new ones compared to the old ones that he makes. So we'll get into all of that next time he's on. That was uh, Hall of Famer Joe Davidson from Oklahoma Joe's. He's got the Oklahoma Joe restaurants, of course. Let me talk to you quickly about Yoder Smokers. That's right. All the products build right here in the States, building pride through craftsmanship and world-class customer service. That's the backbone of how they've built the company. This approach translates into what can truly be a bespoke-style product that elevates gatherings with friends and family. They're honored to have a trusted place in the backyards of America. From pellet grills to wood-fueled offset pits or charcoal grills, consistent blue ribbon flavor, has become synonymous with the Yoder Smoker's name. Make no mistake, Yoder Smoker's flavor-driven design is unique to each style of pit, and their team has developed the cookers to perform time and time again while outlasting the competition for generations to come. It's the generational thought that is rooted in the handmade products that define the integrity of the core values. American-made quality, endless flavor, the benchmarks of Yoder Smoker's. Visit them online at yodersmokers.com to grab yours today. That's Yoder Smoker's. Com. By the way, we congratulate Rick Stoltz for the Black Smoke win. Rick, send me an additional email with your shipping address and a, uh, a subject line book winner. We'll do that. All right, we're back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content. In an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. And this is brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck because Fireboard fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816 945-2232 today. That's Fireboard 2, Fireboard 2 Drive, and Fireboard 2 Pro. And we thank Joe Davidson for last segment. You can only imagine how I was trying to craft that outline the last time as well. Oh my. We'll have him on again sooner than later, maybe just in a couple weeks, depending on what his schedule is like. In the meantime, let's wrap up the first hour. We have a great second hour packed and ready to go for you. 
refresh your libations, and I will see you in just a few minutes. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. We'll be right back.